I believe we'd be better saints for it if we were singing those hymns in the catacombs of Rome. But since we're not, we'll do the best we can right here to love our Lord Jesus Christ the way we should. Jesus paid it all. Amen. That's what we just sang. Jesus paid it all. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we should have only one thought in our minds. Jesus paid it all. We were conceived and we were born in a state of condemnation. The judge had already executed the law against us that we had violated. I don't care how pretty you think your babies were, they were under a state of condemnation when they came into this world. And they deserved eternal torment. And we have aggravated our situation by sinning numerous times ourselves. And our sins have not been merely the offenses against any law. They've been offenses and violations of the law of a kind and holy God. And we've sinned and aggravated our state to where we deserve an eternal, an awful eternal torment in fire and pain. There is only one man standing between you and the lake of fire. There is only one man standing between you and an awful eternal place of torment where you will be punished forever and ever for your sins and for the sins of your father Adam. Jesus paid it all. One man. Do you love him tonight? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Do you love to sing to him? Brethren, we're the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to love him tonight. I want to tell you that there's only one man standing between you and an eternity in hell, and it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I hope you love him. And I hope you're looking forward to that day where he will stand between you and the awful justice of a holy God and between you and the eternal torment of a place called the lake of fire. But he's more than enough. He's my Jesus and he's your Jesus. And the Lord chose one out of the people and laid help upon one that is mighty. And he can deliver us. And he will. I wonder who will be the blessed in this assembly to be the first to go meet him. If we're walking with him and loving him, we get to walk right on into heaven and see our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Joseph had a predicament on his hand when he found his betrothed wife, Mary, to be pregnant before they came together. And an angel of the Lord came to him and said that he shouldn't be afraid to take her to him, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what we're celebrating tonight, and that's what we're remembering tonight, that there was a boy born 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, And he saved us from our sins. He shall save his people 
from their sins. And the apostles came behind him and said, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only name, the only man, the only one that we worship and that we adore. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I read in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Adam did us a terrible thing. When God told him, I'm going to make you the covenant head of all the descendants that you and your wife will bear, which will number in the billions, but I'm giving you one commandment to keep, and that's not to eat the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible tells us by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners because of what Adam did. But I want to tell you that the same verse that tells us that, that for by the disobedience of one, many were made sinners, also tells us, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And that one is our Jesus that we love tonight. And the many are us that he's made righteous. That is a great message. I look in Hebrews in the ninth chapter, and I see there some verses for us where the Apostle Paul, who was so familiar with the blood and the offerings and the sacrifices of the Old Testament, could say in the twelfth verse of the ninth chapter, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus paid it all. Jesus, by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to hope for it, work for it, pray for it. He's accomplished it for us. Jesus paid it all. Jesus, by his own blood, obtained eternal redemption for us. I see in the 14th verse that it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We don't believe that Jesus Christ offers himself to sinners. We believe that Jesus Christ offered, past tense, himself to God through the Spirit. And his offering was accepted. And his offering brought eternal redemption and secured our salvation. Jesus paid it all. There was no other participant in that great transaction. I can read in places in the Old Testament where it says that the Lord looked to see if there wasn't a Savior, and he could find none, so it says his own arm brought salvation. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He did it by himself. When he hung on the cross, there was none to help him. He was all alone. But I want to tell you that he did it, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. And we're going to remember that tonight, and we're going to tell him that we love him because he did it for you and for me. Jesus paid it all. Mary cannot help. 
You know, if we were in the catacombs in the, under the city of Rome, we'd be thinking about that. If we were one of those poor persecuted bands that were chased through Europe for 1260 years by that great whore and her armies of the fallen Roman Empire, we'd be thinking, we'd be thinking about this. Right. Because it would mean that some of our relatives had, go, had died because they didn't believe that Mary could add to that. For the Catholic Church wants to give Mary her place in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and there is none. I want to tell you what Mary would tell you if she were here tonight. She would say, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Because she needed a Savior as much as we need one. And she, she would want... She'd want to partake of this if she was a member of our body as much as any one of us because she needed Jesus Christ as much as we need Him. And I'm thankful for the Word of God that tells us that. Mary cannot help. Jesus had to do it by Himself, and she stood helpless though she had taken care of Him. When He was an infant child and a young child, she had to sit there and see Him in His shame and watch Him do it by Himself. Even though as parents we always want to protect our children from doing anything harmful, dangerous, or hard by themselves, she watched him do it by himself, and she didn't add to it one whit, for he died for her as well as the thief on his hand. Peter cannot help you. Why, if the Lord Jesus, my Lord Jesus, your Lord Jesus, had not prayed for Peter and had let Satan have him, he would have sifted him right to hell. But Jesus prayed for him. Amen. And not only did Jesus pray for him, Jesus died for him. Right. So that Peter's name is in the book of life. And I'll tell you, there's tears in Peter's eyes when that name was read. And there was great joy in heaven when Peter knew that his name was in the book of life. The Pope cannot help you. Any of those of you who have looked at the news recently or seen him on television know that he's dying the death we're all going to die if it's not for the grace of God. He can no longer stave off that death than any man can. He needs a Savior as much as anyone. The Pope cannot help. I want to remind you that Paul was afraid of the Corinthians, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, our minds would be corrupted from the simplicity of the gospel. And do you know how simple it is? One. One. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus paid it all. Whenever we allow anything to creep into that equation, we have been deceived by the great deceiver. Jesus paid it all. The preacher cannot help you. I cannot help you in this matter. I just get to tell you about it. Because I'm nothing but a messenger of the Lord of hosts. And all I do with salvation according to 2 Timothy 1.10, is bring it to light. Amen. He brings it to reality. Right. I bring it to light. I show it to you. He did it for you. Amen. Jesus paid it all. Your parents, your spouse, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you esteem them, cannot help you in this matter. You are going to stand before the judgment throne of Almighty God, and there's one that will be there for you, and he's the only one you want there for you. Amen. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you love him tonight? Amen. You will love him, or you will tremble and suffer 
for eternity because you don't love him. The psalmist David wrote, No man can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. Jesus paid it all. I want you to look at that word Jesus in the statement, Jesus paid it all, and realize that there's one man, the man Christ Jesus, that we're looking forward to meeting because he paid it all. And he did it by himself. He had no helpers, and he needs no helpers. Right. But brethren, he paid. Jesus paid it all. Salvation didn't come free. There was a great price paid. I read there in Hebrews 9, where your Bibles are open to the 15th verse, it says, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. We will receive the promise of eternal inheritance by a great price being paid, and the price was the death of the testator. Hebrews 9.15, by means of death is how we're saved. Jesus humbled himself and became a servant in this world. He laid aside the glory that he had in heaven with his Father, came to earth, humbled himself, became a servant, gave himself willingly up to death, and the Bible says even the death of the cross. Because that was not an ordinary death. That was a horrible death. But he did it for us. Jesus paid in order for you to have eternal life. We have spoken of the devil. The devil knows that you are nothing. He knows who the Son of God was. And he knows what was taking place in the cross of Calvary. And Jesus in that garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed and sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, and when he hung on the cross, he fought and resisted and defeated Satan and all of his demons at once by himself alone. He paid. He paid dearly for us. He suffered the greatest measure of guilt, shame, loneliness, and the wrath of God more than any man can even imagine. And he did it for us. Jesus paid. He paid suffering the wrath of God. He suffered the sins of all of us being laid upon him so that the guilt and the shame of those sins were upon him so that he was left lonely. Do you know what it's like when you're out of fellowship with the Lord or the Lord withdraws himself from you? We have no concept of what that was for Jesus Christ. To have had such sweet communion with God all of his life and then to be left guilty and filled with shame and lonely for the first time ever. He did it. He paid. Jesus paid it all. There was a price to pay. You know, he laid down his life willingly for his enemies. The Bible says that there might be here and there a good man that would lay down his life for his friends. Maybe. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were sinners and while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. How do you pay a price like that for your enemies? 
What do we say? How do we add to that? We, all we can do is quote it, think about it, and realize what love was this. That Jesus Christ would suffer and pay such a price for his enemies. Do you know him tonight? The cost that Jesus paid, and he did pay it, required his father to bruise him and to punish him and to hurt him. The one being that all of his life he had cried as we read this morning in Psalm 89, O Lord, my God, my rock of my salvation, that God bruised him and punished him. He paid that price for us in order for us to have eternal life and be delivered from our sins. Do you know what the Bible tells me? It says that ye were, re- that ye were bought with a price. When it says Jesus paid, we're told in 1 Corinthians 6.20, for ye were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, for they're His, because He bought them. Right. He paid. He paid a price for us. And what was that price? 1 Peter 1.19 would tell us, that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, received by vain tradition of our fathers, which is false religion, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's the price that was paid, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He had to bleed. He had to bleed publicly, and he had to bleed profusely until his life ran out of him. And it was sufficient that when they came to him, he was already dead. Right. You have nothing to pay. Jesus paid it all. Amen. You have nothing to pay. You could pay nothing. What would you pay? You're not asked to pay. He paid it all. Amen. Isn't that glorious? Yes. Fully paid. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it. What did Jesus have to pay for? Jesus had to pay for sin. What is sin? It's the transgression of the law according to the word of God. 1 John 3, 4. The Lord God had every right in the world to lay down as many laws as he wanted for us. We were merely his creatures. He laid down laws that were kind, benevolent, for our best interests, for our good, for our pleasure. His commandments are not grievous, nor foolish, nor unreasonable. They're glorious in their beauty. All of Psalm 119 is about that. How the law of the Lord is so glorious in its perfection. And we broke those laws. And Jesus had to pay for us doing that. How great is sin to God? He drowned the entire earth. Every living creature that had the breath of life in its nostrils, the Lord God drowned them all because of sin. That is not a fable nor a story. That is an actual event of history. The earth was covered with water above every mountain, tree, house, and high rise because of sin. That's what God thinks of sin, and he is right and just and perfect to think of sin so horribly. Yep, right. When we give our children 
very simple, very plain commandments, and they flagrantly, rebelliously, radically defy us, you know what it brings in your heart? But he was a perfect lawgiver. And his laws were better than we've ever given. Amen. And we defied him, and he drowned the earth with a flood in the days of Noah. And sin caused the God of heaven to come down and to bruise his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. We have a song that describes the fact that if you want to measure sin and its sinfulness, then you should look at what happened in the cross of Calvary, where a God would forsake his son that he loved so much that he on several occasions had opened up the heavens and thundered with his glorious voice this is my beloved son hear ye him this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased he punished him because sin had to be paid for Jesus paid it Jesus paid for sin and brethren sin is so great that someday we're going to witness the devil and his angels and wicked men who were not saved by Jesus Christ cast into the lake of fire. You can't imagine it, and I can't describe it. All I can do is tell you about it as it's recorded in the Word of God. It will be the most horrible event. You, You can't even imagine or comprehend it. The devil and his angels and wicked men, men that in this life have had the good life, will be cast into a lake of fire of eternal torment. And that will show what God thinks of sin. But you're going to have to watch it forever and ever and ever and ever. And only then will you start to get a picture of how horrible sin is against an infinitely perfect God. But Jesus paid that price. Jesus paid that price. He underwent the pains of hell and the wrath of God for us so that we wouldn't have to. When we offend against a man, that's one thing. If we stand up in a court and defy a judge on earth, call him names, make whatever gestures you want toward him, that's one thing. But when we sin against the kind and holy God of heaven, that's a completely different thing. It's a terrible thing. It is what needed to be paid for. Is there any man without sin? Jesus Jesus alone. But it had to be paid for for every one of us. Instead of asking, is there any one of you without sin? Should we ask, is there any one of you without a million sins? He paid for them all. And do you know that even one by itself, no matter how small you might think it would be, is enough? I read in James 2.10 that making a difference to to visitors that come through the door of an assembly of New Testament saints is to be guilty of the whole law. James 2.10 Jesus paid it all. All your sins. So we come to the word all. Jesus paid it all. Have you thought about sin from a time perspective? He paid for your sins past. He paid for your sins present. And he's paid for your sins future. Amen. Isn't that comforting? Amen. To know that you can't undo what he's paid for because he's paid enough. It covers all your sins, past, present, and future. 
That's comforting. Can you live with that? Can you live with joy with that? Hope and praise to Him. He's covered all your sins. Do you ever think about sin from a size perspective? He's paid for the big ones, and He's paid for the small ones. He's paid for all of them. Nothing snuck through. Nothing was overlooked. He got them all, and He paid for them all. Jesus paid it all. Have you thought about your sins from the outward sins that we see, recognize, and identify? Or the sins that are inside, the sins of our spirit, our heart, our thoughts, and the imagination of our head? He paid for those. Amen. Because he paid for all our sins. Jesus paid it all. We have sins of presumption when we rebelliously sin against God. He paid for those. But we also have sins of ignorance that you might not even know about. He paid for those. They had animal sacrifices in the Old Testament to cover both types. Jesus fulfilled every type and shadow of that Old Testament, and he's paid for all the sins, even the ones you don't know about, the ones we wish he'd show us, the ones we don't know yet to even confess. Jesus paid for them. Do you know there are sins of commission and omission? You, you do things you shouldn't, and you don't do things that you should. Right. But I want to tell you that Jesus paid for them all. Amen. Jesus paid it all. By his one glorious sacrifice, he's perfected forever all of us. Look at that 10th chapter in the book of Hebrews. We're there at the 10th verse. This is the will of God and the will of Jesus Christ working together in our salvation. Hebrews 10.10, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. all. Jesus paid it all. Then you can come to the 12th verse. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. And you can come to verse 14 where it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus paid it all, and he paid it so well that all sins are put away so that we're perfected forever. So that when we come before him in that great day, there'll be a man standing there, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, And he's perfected us forever. And we shall boldly stand in that day once he recognizes us and we see him and he knows us and he owns us and he calls us by name and our name is found in the Lamb's book of life. You won't be thinking about work tomorrow. You won't be thinking about anything except that you love him, that there was found an intercessor and help was laid on one that was mighty to deliver you from what's happening to those around you. Jesus paid it all. You know, he cried on the cross, it is finished. What was finished? The last payment was made. The payment book was thrown away. Because the final payment had been made. It is finished. Jesus had paid it all. And the Lord God had received it. And all sins were put away. And at that moment he could then 
shortly thereafter offer up his spirit into the hands of God because he had finished his work. Jesus paid it all. It is finished. We can't add to it. When we come to him and we ask for forgiveness for our sins, there's nothing we have to plead except what he's already done and completed and finished. Jesus paid it all. Amen. So that the apostle would write in another place, and I've used these verses recently because you need them when you're dealing with the devil, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Amen. If Jesus paid it all, what can be laid against your account? Right. All your account has reading is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all that's there. It's all been expunged. It's all been forgiven. It's all been forgotten. It's cast behind his back. It's been paid for. And then the apostle would go on to ask another rhetorical question. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus paid it all. He's sitting at the right hand of God our Father, having paid for all of our sins and transgressions, and redeemed us to God and given us an eternal inheritance and made it secure. And he established this ancient right for us to come together as an assembly of saints in this world of unbelievers and wicked men who have no regard for him and remember his death until he comes. Jesus paid it all. Now I'm going to do something that you might think does not fit with the thoughts that Jesus paid it all. But you just listen and learn. Michael Lutman, could you come up here please? Do you believe that Jesus paid it all? I do. Did you cast your lot in with us ten weeks ago and sign a covenant that we together would serve the Lord Jesus Christ? I did. You've been a source of blessing to a number of brothers who've watched your spirit in the last few weeks. And a few weeks ago, Brother Michael got up here and said that he had found something valuable to him on the Internet. Do you remember? What was the cost of that item? It was $725 postage and handling. (laughs) $725. Do we all remember that? Yep. Well, a brother heard that. And I want you to count to the congregation what's in this envelope. One, two, three, four, five, two, four, six, eight, six, two, four, six, eight, seven, two, four, fifty. Seven hundred fifty dollars. Amen. It's yours. A brother has paid it all. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, if I may have just two minutes, Brother Charlie. Come here, please. 
Thank you. <laughs> I have been thinking uh, <clears throat> time and time again how am I putting all this together at one chunk because I wanted to give Charlie back his uh, money in one chunk because giving it to him at $100 a time, it, it ju you just don't have the use of your money when you get paid back like that, especially when there's no interest. So I want to show appreciations to Charlie by giving and turning this over to him right now and uh, I'll give him his other $50 later. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Would you please count that? <laughs> you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. On Thursday of this week, I had another series that I wanted. I had something else that I wanted to preach to you. But I have an overriding desire to do nothing but help us to remember Jesus Christ as we ought to Amen. with the spirit of the primitive saints Amen. who were very preoccupied with loving Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And during the night of... Wednesday night, the Lord told me, whatever you want to, whatever stock you want to put in that, I don't care. The Lord told me, all, all, I, all they need and all I want to hear is that Jesus paid it all. And I got up on Thursday and put a piece of paper in a clipboard and wrote down the thoughts that he had given me that night and the verses that had come to me that night in my sleep and there was mail on my desk unopened and when I exhausted what had come to me in the night I set it down and I opened the top envelope and it was a brother paying it all and it brought me right to my knees. It was, it was glorious. I had a moment with the Lord that was so precious. And when I, when I get done in just a minute reading a passage of Scripture to you, you're going to see what I'm talking about. If you think this is disjointed, you are wrong. Yep. When brothers have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, it changes their heart so much that they want to do things like you just witnessed. Right. And it flows from one thing. Right. Jesus paid it all. Now, don't read ahead on me. And I love you when I say that. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 6, okay? Just fought, don't read ahead. I know you're tempted. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And this is so much comfort to those of you who give to others. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Amen. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. 
Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, whiles by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Amen. I'm not preaching on giving tonight. I just want you to see that when a man gives, he gives when a man when a good brother gives who's been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, he gives cheerfully because that's the way the Lord's made him right. to want to give. No, not grudgingly, he gives cheerfully. And when we observe and witness the administration of giving like that, it causes thanksgivings from our hearts to go up to God and our realization that there is someone who is showing great subjection to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it says here. And it concludes with the point, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Because all giving that we would ever do toward one another is only because he has given to us and given us a new heart that understands how much he's given for us. Jesus paid it all, and a brother paid it all, and together, what a glorious testimony of the gospel of the grace of Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He was so excited about taking a gift from these saints to the poor saints in Judea that he could prove to those Jews that had been converted in Judea that there were Gentiles way over in Achaia who were subject to the gospel of Jesus Christ and were giving to them. And I hope tonight, I wanted to preach to you, Jesus paid it all. Just simple. Jesus paid it all. There is one man that we're looking forward to meeting and who is our Redeemer by himself. And he's paid it all. And tonight we're celebrating and remembering what he's done for us until he comes again. But that work of Christ makes differences in men's lives so that they want to give. And when we're thanking God for seeing the subjection of the gospel of another brother, we always come back to what the apostle came back to in the last verse of this chapter. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We can speak about the one we just saw Michael open. It's hard to speak of the one that Jesus did for us. Jesus paid it all. Brother Eric, would you come and lead us in a couple more hymns from the new hymnal? Number 248. Jesus paid it all. Amen. I hope you love him tonight. Amen. I hope you're looking forward to him coming again. Amen. And to be with him and to leave this rotten place filled with sin and unbelief and be in a place where it's all praise and belief. Amen. Full faith and holiness and righteousness in his presence. Let's thank the Lord for the bread. Holy Father, we thank Thee that in the volume of the book it is written of Christ that You would prepare a body for Him 
and that he would come and lay down his life for his people. Yes. We thank thee for this bread that represents for us the torn body of our Savior, who by himself, alone, without any support or help, hung on the cross of Calvary and had his body torn by his own weight through the, from the nails that were in his hands and his feet. His brow was torn with a crown of thorns as unbelievers mocked his royal position. Lord, we thank thee for him. We believe that he's paid it all for us. We love thee. We love him. We thank thee for this memorial service that you've given to us that we might remember his death till he comes. And, O oh Lord, send him soon. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift.